Hey, y'all. It's the Zero Hour, and we just interviewed, guess who? Kevin O'Connor. And you are not going to believe the stuff we learned about today. For example, does Kevin O'Connor speak Vulcan? Uh, maybe. And who thought of the idea for Double Click? I think it's going to surprise you. Check it out. Part one coming at you. And be on the lookout for part two dropping soon. Thanks, y'all. This is the Zero Hour Podcast. Guess who this is? It's your co-host. It's Mark Pierce. And this is Christine Chapman, your host. I am absolutely giddy, and I don't use that word a lot, giddy about our next guest. And we are thrilled to have ready Kevin O'Connor. Say hello, sir. Hey. Are you laughing? I've never known you as giddy. Giddy. I'm excitable. You don't use that word a lot. I haven't heard that word in a long time. I'm an old man, Kev. I'm an old man. So we used we used the word. You're a young man when I knew you. Likewise. (laughs) Touche, sir. Um, For those, uh, listen. Typically, when we do these zero hours, we we kind of bait the crowd. A little bit on who we're talking to and you know what maybe we bait him a little bit on this um I'm, I'm gonna throw a couple of uh descriptive words that kevin may or may not and i think he probably will not agree with because he is as humble as the day is long which what which is what makes him such an amazing kind of mentor in person um i'm gonna go as far to say and kevin you can chime in immediately thereafter with with a first word reaction be it a cuss word or something else, leader of an industry or starter of an industry. A pioneer, perhaps? Kev, what do you say to that? I'd say one of the the leaders, sure. Yeah, one of many. Well, uh, in different market sectors, we'll we'll get to that in a second. I might even say the word uh, legendary, right? Uh, A starter of life. That's more than a word. Kevin, what would you say about... What's that? I'd say most, leg- I'd say most leg- legendary people are dead, so Ooh. I'm still here. Okay, well, well right, you're right. a living icon. How's that? Because I can, I can still disappoint you. <laughs> I have not been disappointed by you yet in 25 years. And by the way, before we unveil like what you have done, uh, I have been prepping for this interview for literally 25 years. <laughs> yes, you have. 25. And I have notes. I don't even think I'm going to look at my notes. I'm just going to go off, off of gut. So um, Kevin is the uh, former right uh, CEO and co-founder of DoubleClick, right? DoubleClick back in the 90s, mid-90s, late 90s, was the preeminent technology company, right? Has started the revolution, right, of internet advertising and media and technology. Amazing. This is the guy and his cohort, Dwight Merriman, couldn't make it today, unfortunately, but these are the two who gave us life, right, who gave us an industry. Kevin, man, it's good to talk to you, dude. Like, it is it is fun, and you've done a lot of amazing things. Talk to us about... Where it all began. Wait, before we get into that, Christine, you, you're looking well, at me. I, I, I'm like, okay, Mark, you're always telling me to, to slow like, it down, slow pump it the down. brakes. 
And I feel like I need to ask you to slow it down. And I know this is very exciting, but we understand who Kevin is. And I always like to say, okay, here is this unbelievable figure that we are so lucky to have on our show. I have a bromance. Do you get yeah, it? Yeah, I understand your bromance, but we need a bit of origin story. It's a like, one-sided... We need to understand how Kevin came to be where he is and where he, you know, where he made his start. And I know that there's a really exciting jumping off point and that this is what the zero hour is about. I'm so, literally jogging in place right now yes, as I'm talking I know, to Kevin. I know. Yes. All right, Kev, go for it. Origin story, Kevin, please. Origin story of Kevin O'Connor or Double Click? What do you want? No, do, <laughs> ICC. Do start with ICC. Start with Michigan. Start with PhD. Yes. Well, I mean, look, you, oh. the point of your the point of your, po- your podcast is sort of, is my understanding, is like, what are those sort of pivotal moments in life? Yes. And it kind of ties in, I like, my whole theory in life is optionality. Yes. Uh, you don't know how things are going to turn out. I think it's a big big mistake when people make sort of long-term plans because shit happens. I mean, things change. Absolutely. New technologies emerge. So. I got this theory on optionality, and um, you know, my big long-term plan was to go get a PhD. That was my, I was one of those weird kids that, you know, tried to invent stuff in the basement, and I was going to go get a PhD in electrical engineering and go work for Bell Labs. And the day I got into uh, the PhD program, after bugging the hell out of the the uh, <laughs> uh, the dean to let me in, uh, three hours later I told him I wasn't coming. So. It was, <laughs> Go start a company. My buddy had called me that I interned with down in Texas at Texas Instruments, and he said, uh, let's do a company tying PCs into the mainframe. And I said, all right, let's do it. All right, hang on. PCs into the mainframe for our non-technical audience. And wait, two questions. What year is it-ish, right, if you don't want to? You don't want to. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I'm a kid of the 80s. I was listening to Kids on the Block, and you were building friggin' companies, right? That's a, that's a pretty pretty amazing first step. And where, Kev, where did you grow up? Did you grow up in, are you a Michigan guy? Yeah, yeah. I'll tell Detroit. Okay. All right. So, we have this young lad from Detroit, right? Young Irish lad, Kevin O'Connor, who is building companies and connecting mainframes, right? What, what what does that mean? Hmm. Well, think of the there's these terminals and terminals tied into mainframes and terminals are sort of smart. They were kind of precursors to the PC, so they're semi-smart devices that allowed you to interface to um, mainframe computers. So the okay. big big I you know IBM. What we didn't do IBM, we did Burroughs and Sperry. Um, it's very similar to a web term a web, a web a browser. Okay. Okay. Uh, in fact, in fact, in the in the late '80s, so we were doing all these terminal emulations on the PC to talk to, you know, DAC computers, uh, Burroughs, Asperi mainframes, and PCs were blowing up, but the mainframe business was kind of going away. And I said, I, I came up with this uh, project called Oot Object Oriented Terminal. It was to it was to have a, a, a take use the power of the PC, but come out with one sort of mega terminal. Uh, to work over TCP/IP to to tie into all uh, uh, systems, and wow. it was basically it was basically the web browser. Yeah, but I didn't know what it was, and we were like, we got to get the hell out of the terminal business. So we killed the idea and like moved, yeah. built some other stuff. You have had a uh, 
a friggin' knack, uh, at just a clairvoyance, as it were, uh, uh, a way to kind of see things, in some cases maybe see them a little too soon, right, before they become in vogue, and turn into to stuff. Can we talk about some of your earlier projects? Uh, I'm not sure if this is prior to ICC, but... When we prepped, you had, I don't want to give away uh, the story, but you had, there were two projects you're working on that today are very, very big businesses. Yeah, I mean, so I actually got bought by a company down in Atlanta, and, and I moved down there with um, uh, Dwight Merriman to start a research group to, to develop new products. And, yeah. and Dwight was fresh out of school, and, and we had about 100 engineers at ICC, and everyone kept saying, this, this new kid is just, He's unbelievable. The new um, kid. How old? So, how, wait, how old was Dwight when you guys first met? He was probably 23, 24. God damn. Wow. And we didn't know each other. We, I had no idea you know, who he was. And um, I interviewed him and said, hey, you know, what, what have you heard about me? And he just looked at me and said, I heard, I heard you're an asshole. Like, <laughs> <laughs> to which you responded, I how? I am. I, I, I just started, I'm like, God, I need, I need to work with somebody like you who would, <laughs> who would just tell me. How it is, oh, love that. and so we went down there. We were developing new products, and we developed two two things. One was a um, uh, it was a workflow project product. So it was just really just generalizing workflows and you know forms and, and setting setting things. And sure, and we just we and now that you know service now is a huge industry and and uh, things like Zapier. So we just couldn't couldn't get it going. It was just too way too early. But we came up with this other product. Which is to capture organizational intelligence, and uh, you know we believe that you know there was databases obviously for collecting sort of structured data, but how do you collect unstructured data, communications and, and conversations? So we came up with something called Open Mind, mm-hmm. um, which is a great concept. And Open Mind was virtually identical to Slack today. You know, it was channels and ain't that a kick in the pants, man? You know, like <laughs> so, so. So we we were very excited about this product, and. We got it at DCA was a company that bought us and, and you know, we were, uh, dealing with a lot of enterprise clients. We put it in and we, I think we had 10 clients and it destroyed productivity in okay. all the, all the businesses and they ripped it out. So it was a massive failure. It was just a complete turn of a product. Um, even though it was Wait, probably they, one of my favorite products. They, they destroyed productivity because people were goofing off or people were not paying attention they were slacking as, yeah. as it were yeah so so this is 93 you know so people didn't have you know people barely had email uh, right people didn't chat they didn't have they didn't have cell phones you've so got mail this concept <laughs> yeah this concept that yeah. you could be attached to you know most people sat in a cubicle they, they had a very you know sort of a for a sort of a job that was, you know, over and over again, it's like the office. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and to have sort of these sort of network effects or, or matrix or whatever you want to call it, um, communication channels, people just got totally distracted. Uh, so the population so, just wasn't ready at the time. Yeah. Or we just sold it to the wrong companies. I mean, who knows? But it, it wasn't ready. I'll tell you what the population was was ready for. I'll tell you folks what the population was ready for. Come on, Kevin. Like so yeah. You know it, dude. So all right, you got 
open mind. Was it open mind or open mic? I'm sorry, I missed it. Open mind. Okay, you got open mind. Slack, right? You have a Webflow uh, product. You meet Dwight. Dwight thinks you're an asshole. Were you an asshole to Dwight, by the way? Were you? Never. Never. I didn't. Th- I didn't Never. think so. I did, I'd actually started. Ch- I started changing. You know, I was. Wait, are you are you going are you going to say that you were one at one point, Kevin? Oh, I definitely was. <laughs> I was a total, no. I was a total, total jerk. No, I haven't. I was kind of one of these individual contributors. I was, uh, you know, VP of research, but I was really just coding and and uh, I was very impatient and I was just a jerk. I was just you know immature, and I started coaching wrestling uh, to uh, Moeller High School in Cincinnati and. And that was really my MBA. That's what taught me sort of Wait. how to, you know, you got to be able to motivate people. You got to be able to, people want to do great things and being a jerk just doesn't, you know, what's the saying? You get more bears with honey than yeah. So Kev, uh, I'm going to call you Kev now. I would never call you Kev <laughs> 25 years ago. <laughs> I'd call you sir. I would start and finish every sentence with sir, sir, yes, sir. I'm kidding, of course. It would only be one yeah. sir. Um, so Kevin, um, are you saying, and I'm going to make light of this, that the School of Life is a better schooling program for you and engineers? Your wrestling coach, Mike Rodriguez, right? I'm going off a of memory. Is that the right name? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mike Rodriguez had given you some of the best advice. Uh, you're afraid to win, right? Um, and you've, 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 you've carried that through. I want you to talk about that a little bit, but but before I get into that, by the way, Christine's looking at me like I'm I have like, three heads. Just, I just, you just missed a story opportunity. Ah, oh, fuck's sake. All right. <laughs> All right. Delete that, David. <laughs> Delete that. Let's start over again. No, I'm kidding. Um, so, Kevin, are you saying like life experience is just as, as valuable as an MBA? Well, sure, it can be. I mean, do solving... I mean, look, I look at life as you know, you... You look for problems, uh, and as you go through life and you get more experience, you look for bigger and bigger problems yep. uh, to solve, and 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 you you figure out how to solve that, those problems, and you figure out you know what skills you need to to figure it out. Uh, MBA is good, you know, sort of good training and exposure, but you know, electrical engineering is all about sort of, sort of solving complex problems. As I always say, like, if you can do a discrete Fourier transform, you can pretty much do anything in business. It's what the hell was that? that? What, yeah. what, what, what? A discrete what transform? <laughs> a discrete Fourier. A discrete Fourier. Yeah. Are you, Super are you complicated sp- math. Are you speaking Vulcan? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> that is the, uh, the god of engineers. Vulcan. Excellent. Thank you. Yes, it is. So... So Kevin, can you go back to the Mike Rodriguez? Like I, I, I really want you to tell that story. Yeah, I'd sort of that piece that. of advice because it was it was such a cool piece of advice that I think like would resonate with our audience just in general. So we, I went to Detroit Catholic Central. It was a, it was a powerhouse sports program. Period. But wrestling was you know one of the, one of the tops of the state. Mike Rodriguez was a was a god. And junior year, I, I was injured. I tore my tore my uh, uh, meniscus, and um, so I, I missed most of the season. So senior year, you go to tournaments, and, and sure. you get seated. You get seated in tournaments based on your record. I didn't have a record because I missed the, the 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 year. So I would always get seated against like the number one seed, and the number one seed was you know like a state champ or placed in states pretty high. And I would lose to them like four to three or three to you know three to five. And, 
and I was I was pretty happy. I was like, pretty good. You know, I almost almost beat the guy. And then one cold winter night, Rodriguez, everyone got off the bus and he held me back and he just looked at me and he's like, your problem, O'Connor, is you're afraid to win. And I got really pissed off. I was like, what, the, what are you, what are you talking about? It was like Talladega nights, you know, first or last. And so I just, it just baffled me what he was talking about. I was pissed. And, and it just, it haunted me for like 20 years. So it took That's 20 years? Oh yeah. It haunted me my entire Higher life, and yeah. then I finally figured out what he was talking about. So, but but if, if if you so we talked about what winning entails, like losing is, oh shit, I lost. Sorry, right, go back home, start over again. But winning is very different, right, Kevin? Like the series yeah, of I mean, events. As you, well, when you you know look, you can take sports for an example. You know, you could be maybe you're like a a pretty good tennis. You're like a really good tennis player at your school. Uh, and then you go to college, and then you're playing in you know, NCAA, and you're going against the best of the best. Right. And you and and you think you're good, and then you go to you know the Olympics or pro, and you just and it just keeps it keeps getting harder and harder and harder to keep winning. And that was this whole point: is that look, losing is easy, but when you win, you've got to keep winning, and it's really really hard. And I just didn't have the confidence in myself at that at that point that you know I could I could actually win at, at sort of an elite level. How old were you at that point when you got that advice? You were like 20, 18? 17. 17. 17, yeah. Do you, do you share any of that motivational advice with your kids when they were younger? Like, were you, were you that type of voice to them um, when they were, like, in need of it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I carried, you know, look, I, that advice I took, and I realized from coaching wrestling myself is that, that people, people sort of live in this, you know, they, 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 they you weren't exposed to much. Uh, you didn't know how to do great things, but people want to do great things. Yep. And you want to inspire people to do great things and then help them find ways to get there. Um, so I, you know, I, I start with every, you know, when I talk to companies, it's like, look, someone is going to dominate this industry. Right. Why isn't it you? Why isn't it you? Or are you just going to be happy with, you know, fifth place or sixth place? Mediocrity, uh, right? Mediocrity is death, yeah. right? Yeah. And a lot of people don't think that way. They're like, oh, you mean I could, you know, <laughs> I could build a, 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 like the biggest or the best company in a particular industry, or I could win a state championship. Uh, they just have never thought that it's possible. And you tell them, look, Someone's going to win it. It is possible. It could be you because you're a really talented individual. Here's how you, here's what it's going to take to get there. And then you help them get there. Has, oh, go ahead, Christine. You want to say something? So, so, Kevin, I, you mentioned it took you 20 years to sort of understand the lesson. Can you bring us to that 20 year mark where you were like, oh, what. Mike Rodriguez was saying when I was a senior in high school, like, here's where it's landing for me. Here's where there's crystal clarity. Well, it, there was instance, instances where I, I guess probably in college, so it wasn't quite 20, it wasn't 20 years. It was probably like uh, uh, three years later that I, that, okay. I, that I first realized I kind of got what he was saying, but not totally, which yeah. is, you know, my first semester I was, I'm getting my ass kicked at, at Michigan. It was just like, you know, I was a good student in high school. It was easy, but 
get to Michigan, I was getting crushed. And I sat down, and I said, shit, maybe I just can't compete with these people, you know? Um, and then I just say, wait a second, you know, I'm partying all the time. I'm hanging out with my girlfriend all the time. I'm like, I'm not studying. I'm not doing, I'm not doing anything. So that was a, I remember, I still remember sitting in the, where I was and in the sun. And I was like, all right, I can compete with these people. I just got to do, I got to do the right thing. Right. And then, you know, at, at, at double click, that was really the, the other one, which was, you know, I was interviewing somebody. I was, I was kind of half kidding. And, you know, somebody had asked me like, what's your goal? And this was like the first year of double click. And I just flippantly said, to be broken up by the justice department. And, <laughs> and was that really so, your goal? I mean, it was, and I didn't even know what it meant. Other right. than Love I, want it. To build, I want to build something really so big and successful and I believe that we we could do it. I, that, I and, and the government zero. would have to, like, you know, to be broken up it. <laughs> by the Justice Department. You and heard now, it here, and folks. Now, and now they're doing it. They're, they're, you know, the FTC is a bunch of Lena Khan's an idiot, but uh, is trying to trying to force the, uh, Google to, to break off DoubleClick. For, uh, Jesus, all right. I trust. So the goal has been. Almost realized. That's so. So you had mentioned that when you, um, as a leader, that you know you would work with your team, and you were in those in those early days, you were in spaces where you would get people together and say, "Okay, here's the problem. Let's think about all of the different solutions to that problem." And I I found that story fascinating, Kevin would love for you to share it with our audience just in terms of what leadership is and and what it is to sort of be part of an industry that is sort of on the cutting edge of like growth and development for any society, right, globally, and and what it meant to be leading your people through ways in which to solve the big problems that you seem to have always been seeking out as a business developer and leader and an industry forerunner. Yeah, so so I learned pretty since I was the I was the research guy that had come up, come up with new product ideas. Sure. Um, a lot of people think, and I used to think this way, is like, okay, uh, come up with ideas. Okay, well, coming up with ideas is really, you know, hard. And you'll hear the random story where someone comes up and says there's a random idea. But most people think ideas are really valuable. They're they're pretty worthless. So, <laughs> what, thanks for wasting ideas. my time with your ideas. <laughs> All right, next. Well, people, I, I crush people sometimes. They, I got this idea. They tell it to me like this. This is terrible. You're like it sucks. Uh, Go but, home. Bye. So, so what I said is like, you, you know, what people are really good at identifying problems. Like yes. you can identify problems a lot easier. So you, you, you find a big problem and then you apply technology to how do you solve that problem? And what I look, tend to look for is emergent technology because emergent technology, like in the case of the PC or the internet, or let's say mobile or AI right now, is that it gives you an opportunity as an entrepreneur to, it, it, there's going to be a reset in the industry. Um, so, you know, Innovator's Dilemma, one of my favorite books, you know, talks about how, you know, these, the entrenched players, their assets become liabilities uh, and they just can't, they won't give it up. They won't cannibalize their own business to, 
to take advantage of this of this new technology. So, so we take the new technology. Sure. And Dwight and I did this. We did this in a systematic fashion. We came up with a hundred different product ideas um, for the internet. We we knew the internet was going to be big. So, um, so the the internet. When when people so all right, I just want to I just want to date this conversation a little bit for for our listeners. This is when when you gave someone a website address, you went http colon forward slash forward slash dot www. That's how yeah. like that's how long ago. Now we just say Google it, look at it online. Well, it dot com. What's that? <laughs> it was even. It was even worse than that. People would say, what's the internet? <laughs> what's a browser? So I go there? When, so this is 1995. This is 95. Wow. My, my mom, my mom, very Jewish mom from Boca Raton, right, from Long Island originally. I'm, I'm, I feel her accent coming out of me. I'm going to channel her for a second. <laughs> She's like, do you still sell those banners that say winner, winner, winner that crashed my computer? That was what my mom thinks I did, like, back in the day. And I'd be like, no, and you wouldn't understand. Um, so, like, that's how <laughs> dated, like, some of these... Dude, what's a web browser? So, Kevin, some of the stuff you worked on, that we worked on, that the industry developed, is no longer even around. It's, like, in the ether. Alta Vista? Dude, back in the day, that was the shiz, right? Alta Vista. And like all the other websites, right, publishers, we represent it. So the ability to stay uh, in vogue, right, Kevin, is remarkable to stay relevant, to stay close, right, to all the industries and the technologies. Uh, I don't know what keeps you up at night, but but maybe that does. Actually, if I was you, I'd sleep very well at night. You know, I'm like, I don't care. Like, I'm good. Uh, I just want to invest in, in, in the greatest new things. I don't know where I'm going on this tangent, but, you know, I'm looking. Solving big problems. Big, hairy, audacious problems. Big hags, as we big, like to say. Hairy, audacious goals. Well, the problem you get with te- technology is, you know, I'm a skeptic. You, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, like I'm really into technology, I think, but I'm very skeptical of technology. Uh, because most of it, like if, if you were skeptical, you'd be, you'd be chasing 10 new, you know, technologies are going to change the world. I mean, everything is about changing the world. Everything, you know, every new tech is going to change the world. 99.9% of them don't. So you're going to be super discriminating against, okay, you know, why is this going to be successful? Why is it not? You know, to me, sort of the big, the big ones were like PC was obvious mm-hmm. to me because yeah. it was just like, I always wanted a personal computer and, and giving, that kind of power in the hands of, of every consumer, how, how could this not be big? And then the internet was, was like, yeah. okay, having access to the world's information, no matter yes. where you are, is like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's like a big idea. That's going to be huge. The problem was that Dwight and I were running into, we couldn't figure out like, okay, okay, well, what are people going to use it for and how are people going to make money? Um, and so that was the thing that we really focused on. That's what you focused with. on, yeah. So well, I'll give you a good example of like one of the ideas they come up with uh, before Dwight had sort of we were systematically brainstorming. It was it was basically putting jobs online. How's that? Oh. Never been done before. What? So like never been <laughs> never been done before. So I I I I, went, I talked to ten VPs wow. of HR. 
human resources. And I said, hey, how would you like it if you could put jobs online? And they looked at me like, what's the internet? No one's using the internet. And why would I want to put a job online? It's like, I just, I put it in the newspaper and, you know, people apply for jobs. <sighs> and so I abandoned that idea. That was early 95. Wait, wow. wait, wait, stop. Wow. So you abandon it because you're not getting any buying signals and people are just like, you're crazy, right? And yeah, look at, and look at monster.com now. Well, not the greatest example. But, but, <laughs> <laughs> but they were 25 years, you know, 15 yes, years yes, ago. yes. So wait, wait yeah. that that was that was you and Dwight nerding out in a room someplace saying, "Hey, what if we put jobs online?" Oh, that that'd be cool. Was that how that conversation went down? That was pre-Dwight. Uh, so Dwight was still working at DCA. I had left. Okay. And then one of the ideas I came up with, this uh, people double click. I was like, okay, uh, have a subscription, like having. The way CompuServe used to work is that you had a subscription to CompuServe and then all the channels that people independently controlled, you would get paid based on how how much time they spend on your channel. So if someone's spending, let's say, $10 a month on CompuServe and they spend 10% of the time, you know, they would get a dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, if they mm-hmm. spending 5%, you know, they get 50 cents. So I was like, what the, what the, uh, the internet needed back then and, and needs today, I don't know why, I don't know why people aren't doing it, um, is a subscription. There's one subscription, you know, and then it gets, you clear the page, very much like a cable package, you know, like a sports package, sure. you know, that's how it works on cable. And so, uh, that was, that was an idea to come up with a while back and, and, and we were coming up with a hundred ideas and that one just kind of hung around. I was like, I think this is going to be a big one. And Dwight goes, you know, advertising seems to be more popular in most medias, mediums, you know, like television, radio, print, like subscription's not that big. And so that was when the sort of, you know, zero moment happened. Uh, I remember going upstairs. We've been looking for ideas for six months. I remember going upstairs and said, we start the company tomorrow. You know, it's, well, I just got idea. goosebumps. I literally got goosebumps. Did I? So you went upstairs and you say, we, we start the company tomorrow. We've got this idea. Yeah. That. Wow. So it, was, it was really, it was, you know, look, ideas come from a lot of different places. When you're coming up with a lot, a lot of ideas, you, you're, you're able to compare them against each other. They kind of stimulate more ideas. So that was just kind of an interesting one where, you know, I had come up with sort of the core tech, the core idea, but actually it was completely pivoted, you know, by Dwight's simple observation. Yep. Yep. So it was Dwight who thought of the idea, not you. We want to talk to him. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk to him. So, so, so the company gets started and. There's one problem. Okay. We don't know anything about advertising. All right, y'all. So you know what time it is, right? It's time to say goodbye. From the Zero Hour. I'm Mark Fierce, your co-host. And I'm Christine Chapman, your host. See ya. 